You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes in the peanut gallery were looking on, grumbling and complaining because Jesus received them. Because Jesus received sinners and ate with them. The Pharisees, you see, hated sinners. They had obtained a holiness crafted by themselves, by their own works and their own efforts. They, the Pharisees, were clean. They were undefiled. And in the mind of the Pharisee, God rejoiced over the righteous person who needed no repentance. In fact, I understand that there was a bit of a debate among the Pharisees about whom God liked more, who got to sit closer to Him in heaven. And the debate was between either those who were righteous their whole lives and needed no repentance, or those who were sinners and then by their own efforts became righteous and holy. But there was no debate among the Pharisees about this. These sinners, these tax collectors that Jesus was having dinner with, God did not like them. If there was anything the Pharisees knew, it was this. God was mad at sinners. That that conviction stood right there in their mind next to the assertion that gave them the false comfort that they lived with, which is, God is pleased with me because of my works. Now, as we're looking at this, there is a danger that we look at the Pharisees and say, boy, those Pharisees are really terrible. We're so much more righteous than they are. And that would be to adopt the Pharisees' mindset against the Pharisees themselves. In fact, and we need to know this about ourselves, our sinful flesh thinks exactly like a Pharisee. The natural sinful theology of our sinful flesh and every single sinful person alive is the opinion of the law. The old theologians called it the opinio legis. And it says this, if God is mad at my sin, He must be happy at my good works. And this thought, this idea, this creed sticks to your sinful flesh like peanut butter to the top of your mouth. (laughs) But Jesus comes to blow it up to blow up this way of thinking, to completely undo it. And he does it with the three parables that are told in Luke 15. We just heard read the first two, the parable of the seeking and finding shepherd or the parable of the seeking and finding widow. The third is the parable of the prodigal son or the waiting and rejoicing father, which is a great Father's Day text. And it's your homework to read it today. (laughs) In fact, we should all probably have in our mind just some sort of index or some sort of uh, note that Luke 15 is simply a beautiful chapter. It's one of those chapters in the Scripture that's running over with mercy. Like a sink that's clogged, the Lord's mercy is just running everywhere in that chapter. So Jesus says to the Pharisees, What man of you? Having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it. Now, I have to say that kind of at the beginning and, and maybe by way of introduction, that, that we should read these parables, if we could say this with, with uh, rejoicing over this as the Lord's word, 
We should read these parables as a child telling a story. At least we should hear them that way. Where each sentence of the child's story gets more and more outlandish and less and less probable. Do you know how this goes if you have a child that's telling you the story? First, we were walking in the woods. Okay. Then there was a herd of unicorns. Huh? Then we jumped on the unicorn's back and rode to the moon. And then on the moon, we all started doing the dishes. Each sentence is a bit further and further from reality. You see? <laughs> that's how it is with this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? The answer is probably not many. One percent loss is not that bad. And leaving all of the other sheep alone in the wilderness is a risky proposition, as is the idea of searching and looking for the lost sheep. But this shepherd is Jesus. And he is not content with one lost. There should be comfort for you in these words. But then the parable gets more and more improbable. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. This sounds good. Except I know that when the dog gets out of the house and you have to chase that thing all over Arapahoe County, that rejoicing is not the word you choose for what you do when you carry the thing back home. But Jesus is rejoicing. And then the most improbable of all, which approaches almost absurdity, this is where it goes over the top. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. This shepherd, instead of going back to the 99 sheep that he left out in the sticks, he goes home and he sends out invitations to his friends and he throws a party all over the one lost sheep. Now, we know the man is happy, but this kind of happiness seems almost inappropriate. It's more fit for a wedding or for a war that's waged and won than it is for the finding of a lost sheep. But that, dear friends, is the point. Just so, says Jesus, there will be more joy in heaven than over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I don't know why you guys are so angry, says Jesus, to the Pharisees and to the scribes because of these sinners and these tax collectors eating here with me, hearing my word, rejoicing in my kindness. These, these sinners hearing my word, or the cause of over-the-top, exuberant, almost ridiculous worship with the saints and the angels in heaven. Hmm. I think at this point we need another caution. Also, this text is preached like this. We need to be a church that loves sinners. And while this might be true, it doesn't matter. We need to be a church of sinners who are loved by God. That's the point. And that's the text. Jesus loves you. A sinner. A real sinner that really deserves real condemnation and real torment forever in hell. 
Jesus established His church not so that we could stand around and talk about how we love sinners and care for the lost, but so that we could be the lost and the sinner and the prodigal and the tax collector and the Pharisee and the scribe that are found by Jesus, that are loved by Him, that are picked up on His shoulders and carried home to a feast that has joy overflowing unknown on earth. This text, this gospel is about Jesus who leaves the 99 in the field to find you who sweeps the house until he finds you, who waits with ring and robe and knife at the lamb's throat so that the moment your shadow touches the horizon, he can run and slaughter and cover and lavish you with his kindness and his mercy and his love. The point of all of this is not that we should love sinners, but that we, that you are a sinner who is loved. Loved to death on the cross. Loved to life in the joy of the Father. We are the ones who have been given repentance, who have been found in the wilderness and carried home on the shoulders of our Savior Jesus. We are the ones lost in the dust who have been swept clean, pulled out of the darkness into the light of His mercy. We are the ones who would, if left to ourselves, be slaves, but are called to be sons, God's sons wrapped in the white robes of His righteousness, given the sacrifice that covers all of our sins, granted a double inheritance, not only life in this world, but life in the world to come. We are sinners who have been repented by God, who have been found, who have been rescued, who have been delivered by Him, tracked down by Jesus, made holy by His mercy, rescued and redeemed by His kindness. So we rejoice because this morning you, dear sinner, are given by God the gift of repentance. You, in spite of anything that you've done, are the cause of over-the-top, exuberant, almost ridiculous rejoicing in the kingdom of heaven. And one day, by the Lord's mercy, one day soon, you will be there rejoicing as well. This is our hope. This is our comfort. And this is our joy. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 
Adult Bible Class, and Youth Sunday School at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in his grace.